we need to spend time in Bible study and prayer and just growing our faith so that when we do encounter difficult situations, we have this spiritual intimacy with God. We have this spiritual maturity to fall back on. We're live. We are live. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Genesis 19, we're going to tackle uh, a tough chapter today. Uh, let's get right into it. Yeah. Okay. I got it. First, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, now behold, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. Yet he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he prepared a feast for them and baked them unleavened bread. And they ate before they lay down the men of Sodom surrounded the house, both young and old, all people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like, only do nothing to these men, inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien, and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot, came near to break the door, but the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them. And shut the door. They struck the men who were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. So, in this first paragraph, we're kind of we're picking up exactly from the end of Genesis 18 when uh, God told Abraham about the judgment that was about to come on Sodom, and Abraham had pleaded with him not to. And so now, at this point, God had sent two angels uh, to Sodom to, to get Lot. So the angels, um, and then Lot is, I guess, he, he's at the gate of Sodom. He, he, he knows who they are. So he wants them, he asks them to come to his house. Um, the angels at first refuse, but then uh, they go with Lot. Then the, the men of the town uh, come to Lot's house and demand that Lot send out these these angels that look like men um, so that they can have sex with them. Then Lot offered them, offered these men his daughters uh, to have sex with instead. Um, and then the men refused and tried to break in the door, but the angels then blinded the men um, who were attacking the house and rescued Lot, pulling him back in um, the house. So, a lot going on already in this just first um, paragraph. And so, one of the thing here, one of the things here. So, the two angels came to Sodom, uh, and when Lot saw them, he he rose to meet them and bowed down to his face to the ground. So, I, I believe that these are two angels, and that um, the third person who was with Abraham talking to him was was God. Um, but so in, in the Bible, you ever, whenever you see an angel show up and someone try to worship them, the angel denies the, the worship and says, no, you know, I'm only an angel. You need to worship God. And so uh, I think here what's going on is with his bowing is more of out of respect uh, instead of worship. And so, um, and then something interesting here too, though, is that the the angels don't want to spend the night at Lot's house. Um, so maybe that's because even though they're there to rescue Lot, he's, he's not following God faithfully. That, that, that's clear. 
Um, and so maybe the angels just don't want to be under the same roof with him because of his choices. I don't know. Uh, but either way, he, after he urged them to spend the night at his, to come to his house, they, they did. And so we still see this uh, theme I mentioned in last episode, this theme of, of hospitality. And so we see that hospitality here is big. And so um, he, he prepared for them uh, the unleavened bread. Um, and so now we have the situation where the men of Sodom have come to uh, demand Lot to send the men out who are the angels out who look like men to have sex with them. And so we see that there's multiple or Sodom uh, was a very sinful place. And so at least two of the sins we see going on in that place was homosexuality and violence, right? We definitely see a violent attitude. And so I know that there's confusion uh, today uh, about this topic. So I just want to cite two other verses uh, talking about how homosexuality is a sin. Um, and so in the Old Testament, it says in Leviticus 18.22, you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So we see both Old and New Testaments that this is a sin, but I think that there's there's two different extremes um, that can be seen in the, the modern church today. One of them is that it's uh, some groups say that it's not a sin, and then other groups put homosexuality as like this sin above all all the other sins. And so we see in this that what Paul wrote in First Corinthians, he listed he has a list of sins, right? The fornicators, the idolaters, um, the adulterers, the thieves, like all, all the the drunkards, like all these things, along with homosexuality, is a sin. So. Um, and then I like what Paul goes on to say, such uh, were some of you, right? So there are, there are people who struggle with homosexual temptations and put their faith in Christ and, and, and God helps them, right? Here's the thing, no, no, no matter what, um, everybody, all, all believers, all people who have put their faith in Christ struggle with the temptation to sin, uh, no, no matter what, but the more that we surrender our will to Christ, the more that we try to follow him obediently, the, the more, the easier it, it can get uh, to deal with certain temptations and the better that we can get, um, the, the better that we, we can do at, at, at rejecting uh, or at refusing to give in to those temptations. Um, so the idea is that I want to be clear to to say because there it, it, this this topic is very polarized that um, if someone struggles with the temptation of homosexuality, they're 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 not beyond saving or anything like that. It's it's just like every other sin. Um, it is a sin, and you can still put your faith in Christ. You can still definitely go to heaven. Um, you know if you put your faith in Christ. And, and God can help you uh, through your times of temptation. Yeah, I would agree. And I would just also add that the Bible makes it very clear that homosexuality is a sin. Like Justin was saying, it's not like this sin that's above all other sins. Um, there can be straight males and straight females that struggle with other sexually immoral activities and those activities aren't um, seen as you know something that's particularly less worse than the act of homosexuality you know if this is something you struggle with and you wonder you know why god would would make this a sin 
there's certain parts of the of the Bible and the certain parts of the way God made this world that He just made it that way, and it's just something you ultimately have to accept. If God is the creator of the universe, then it seems logical that we should follow the rules that He puts in the Bible, not to hurt us and make our lives worse, but to help us and to make our lives the most fulfilling they could possibly be. God's not keeping anybody from something that is ultimately going to be really great for their lives. He's trying to protect us when he tells us to do or not to do some of these things. And if you are someone who struggles with this, then I think it's important to remember that God has a plan for your life. And right now that plan might seem like the best version of your life will be through acting out a homosexual lifestyle. I promise you, God's not keeping you from anything that's really great. He's absolutely not going to keep you from that. He's got an amazing, incredible, awesome plan for your life outside of that sin. And if you take a few steps in that direction, I think God will show you some pretty amazing things and, and it won't be something you regret. There's never a sin that I actively engaged in or committed that I was really looking back happy that I did. There's not a single sin where I'm like, you know, what? I'm really glad that I engaged in that. Um, the sin that I've seen in my life has always been destructive. So just keep that in mind. We, we love our uh, brothers and sisters who are struggling with this and that, um, and we really want to come alongside them and pray for them and help them any way that we can. And God really wants the best for you and your life, and, and he wants to protect you from ultimately things that are going to hurt you. Well said, Henry. So I wanted to address um, also verse eight. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do whatever you like. And so um, once again, this, this uh, theme of hospitality is being addressed, right? He's, he's not wanting his house guests to be, uh, you know, receive bad a bad experience when visiting him. Um, obviously, this is ridiculous for Lot to do this. The uh, the role, I mean, I, I see in the Bible the biblical role of the father is to protect his daughters, not uh, offer them up th this way. Um, so this is uh, very negative, sinful behavior. And one of the speculations I have is that because Lot has spent the time he spent in um, in Sodom, it, it's kind of twisted his mind and it's definitely probably moved his moral boundaries. Um, and so one of the things though, that, that I, that I think is maybe difficult, um, is, is one thing it's, it's hard to maybe some people have questioned, you know, is Lot even a believer, right? Is he, is, is he a believer? Does he believe in God and that kind of thing? And so I feel like the, the new Testament, um, clears that up so in second peter chapter 2 verse 7 it says and if he rescued righteous lot oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men so the he being god so <clears throat> the point is that it calls lot here righteous um and so that, that's hard to see i feel like that especially we haven't even finished the chapter yet but if you finish this chapter it's hard to call lot righteous and so, um, but I believe what's going on here is that since Lot is a believer, um, it's kind of one of those things that, that God has imputed or he's given righteousness to us, right? He's, he sees us as righteous because he's given us that spiritual status um, solely based on faith, right? And, and this is also kind of overlaps um, when we talked about Abraham in chapter 12, that, that Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness, right? So it's this whole idea that um, I feel like the Bible's clear concerning you can't work for salvation. You, you can't work for any of that. It's, it's faith alone. And so the idea is that 
you are seen as righteous by God or you are given uh, the righteous status, the righteous spiritual status by God if you just believe. So it's about faith. Um, so we see that addressed in, in verse 8 here as well because I feel like that is a, a difficult one. Agreed. I think I would add to that, you know, in the previous chapter, there was reference to which people, if there was less than 10 righteous people, if there was 10 or more righteous people, God would save the entire city on their account. And it turns out there were less than 10. And so I think that would also um, seem to indicate the fact that the angels did seek to save a lot would be a re another reference in which, you know, he's kind of been declared a righteous man in this case. <clears throat> Not only that, while Lot is a, definitely makes a lot of mistakes, in the same breath, he's bringing these men into his house and he's putting his life on the line to save them at the same time. So that's, I mean, that's pretty... I would say noble in a sense, you know, he came out, no, he came out of his door knowing that he was putting his life in danger. At the same time, he offered his daughter's lives up as well, which is obviously very wicked in and of itself, but he also is putting his own life on the line. So there's a little bit of give and take here with some of Lot's actions. Yeah, I agree. It's clear that Lot knows he has celestial visitors, right? Like he knows that the God of heaven is real and that the God of heaven has the ability to judge. Um, and I think that's what he's concerned about. I think he's concerned about, look, if something bad happens to these angels, you think God isn't going to just wipe this place out, right? And I think that's kind of what, <clears throat> what is kind of maybe the core or the motivation for his concern. Um, but something interesting as well, so verse 9, but they said, stand aside, furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien, and already he is acting like a judge. So one of the things that I've noticed is that um, when, you, when you're hanging out with people you shouldn't be hanging out with, and you have moral boundaries they don't, I think they feel some level of conviction over that, and they get angry with you, and start like, who are you to judge me, and all this kind of stuff. And so that's the situation lots in. And I think that, um, I think that we should be very careful. Like, uh, the, the first John talks about, you know, what fellowship does, does uh, light have with darkness. And so this is one of those areas. And what I'm not saying is that I'm definitely not saying you should only hang out with believers, you know? So for me personally, I seek to make friendships, um, or acquaintances or however you want to define, um, what I'm talking about with non-believers for the sake of evangelizing to them. But as far as who I spend my quality time with, it, it, it's belief, I spend my quality time with believers to, to get recharged to um, my, I mean, my, 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 I would say all my closest friends are believers. I, I'm not of the mindset, I don't see how I can have a very close friendship with someone who does not have my same perspective on the most important thing, which is Jesus Christ. So I see Lot has an issue here. He ran into a situation because he was in a situation he shouldn't have been in. Um, and so that that's why we see uh, him being, them calling him a judge. Um because I think that they, they feel some level of conviction. Yeah. I would agree. Be careful who you spend a lot of time with. You know, you spend a lot of time with... When you spend a lot of time with people, y'all rub off on each other, you know? So just be careful on who you spend a lot of time with. I would... Kind of the... I think you said a lot of great stuff here. The last thing I would just really compare and contrast to summarize this passage, this paragraph, Abraham is visited by the Lord and these two angels and he treats them like royalty. You know, he goes and gets them an amazing meal, water to wash their feet, etc. 
is an incredible servant to them. Lot similarly tries to offer that same level of service to these angels, to these people that we believe are angels. And the, the people of Sodom are trying to rape them. That's how they treat these visitors. So clearly there's something extremely wrong going in this city. The text specifically says young and old from every part of the city. So this is extremely pervasive and we're going to see how that perversion of hospitality <laughs> continues on. It ain't over yet. We are going to see how the wickedness of Sodom can infiltrate people's lives and change how they make future actions whenever you, whenever you spend time with a group of people that delight in wickedness. Let's jump into verse 12. Then the two men said to Lot, Whom else have you there? A son-in-law? your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city, bring them out of the place for we are about to, about to destroy this place because their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, up, get out of this place for the Lord Will destroy the city but he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting really quickly these two men who we believe to be angels said hey who else do you have here bring them out of the place they're about to destroy the place the angels are and then lot tries to go get his sons-in-law his future sons-in-law really um, and to get them out but they just think he's playing around so at this point I think the collection of people we're describing right now is Lot his wife his two daughters and he was attempting to get his two daughters future husbands what is there sons though and your sons I don't know if there's sons in the picture is there there's no sons and son, a son-in-law and your sons. Okay, so they were just asking. Lot okay. went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters. You're right. Yeah, so there's no sons. Okay. I guess that's just the question of the angels. Yeah. Okay. And whomever, but he says, whomever you have in the city. You're right, you're right. Who so it's just like, okay. hey, whoever you have. You know, sons, daughters. You're right. You're right. It, it appears that he doesn't have sons because they, they didn't, they're not mentioned at all other than just this question. You're right. Cool. Uh, okay. I'd say we just keep moving on. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I want to say real quick about this paragraph that Lot was the kind of person that was, I feel like he was almost seen as unreliable. Um, his, the, the, the sons-in-laws or, or the, men that were engaged to his daughters, they didn't take him seriously. Like, I feel like if you're the kind of person that you're like, hey man, we need to leave now. Things are about to get bad and people don't take you seriously. You're probably seen as an unreliable person. See, that's a, that's a good, that's a good question. Lot was at the, was at the gate of the city sitting whenever these two men came into the city. I've read that that would be akin to somebody working in city hall. Right. So it seemed like, like he had some sort of, yeah, he had some sort of like respectable position within the city. So that is a fair question. Maybe he was seen as a loony, a loony character. Um, clearly these sons-in-law didn't respect these future right. sons-in-law didn't respect a lot. So, right. Let's pick up in verse 15. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. 
but he hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the city. When they had brought them outside, one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, oh, no, my lords. Now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown to, to me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains for the disaster will overtake me and I will die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? He said to him, behold, I grant you this request also not to overthrow the town of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zor. So right here we have the angels um, are pretty much by force now taking Lot, his wife, and his daughters out of the city, right? So they're, they're taking them by force. Um, they're letting them know the urgency and then they're telling him where to escape to. And then Lot negotiates, negotiates a different location to escape to. And then they also reveal to Lot that they're actually not able to destroy the city until he leaves. Um, so we see a couple things here. I, I don't understand because here in like the verse right before, we just talked about how Lot's trying to tell his is the man engaged to his daughters, hey, we got to get out of here. You know, we're all going to die. And they don't believe him. But then the next scene, it's almost like Lot just doesn't want to leave as quickly as he should. And so it's, it's, it's confusing. And it's almost, um, I don't know if I almost see it as like Lot is so in love with the, the, the sinfulness of this city to, to even leave at, at even though imminent destruction is coming. Well, I think he hesitated. It says that he, he he hesitated here, which could indicate, you know, hey, you got to go now. I mean, think about it. You've how long? I don't know how long he's lived here at this point, but he's probably got a bunch of stuff he's trying to grab, and you know, that could be the hesitation. Maybe it wasn't so much as a mental hesitation, but a physical hesitation of I'm trying to get all my belongings and get organized so that I actually have something after all this. And the angels are basically saying, forget all that stuff, go. Now, obviously we're reading into the text here a little bit. Whenever I say that, we don't know exactly. Perhaps right. it was a mental hesitation as well, but I think there's multiple thoughts to have here. I'm guessing Lot didn't have a go bag ready to go with all of his stuff. Mm. Hashtag get your go bag ready. Uh, when it hits the fan. so Always have a bug out bag. Yep. That's right. Yeah, so... <laughs> no, that, that's For all you point. preppers out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And so here we definitely see God's grace, um, how merciful he is that the angels by force took them, right? Right. And so god was and then also at the end he said we're not able to do anything until you arrive at the safe location and so god even though lot shouldn't have been in this place god was so gracious in protecting lot and making sure that lot got out yeah agreed <clears throat> all right verse 23 the sun had risen over the earth when lot came to zor then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now Abraham rose early in the morning and went out to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke 
of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. So sun had risen when Lot came to Zor. So he reached the city in which he requested to go to. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So there, I think brimstone um, is some type of sulfuric material. To me, it sounds like lava and fire coming out of, out of heaven. And it's raining down onto Sodom and Gomorrah. That would be a horrifying sight for sure. And God, he overthrew this, and he overthrew the cities, God, the Lord, and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife, Lot's wife, from behind Lot, looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And I think the, there's a couple of thoughts on this. Um, I think you see in some of these movies, these Bible movies, she turns around and she's like frozen into like a stone, you know, when she turns around. But I've also um, read that it could have been possible that maybe some of this brimstone, brimstone, maybe some of this fire and lava ultimately hit her because she was looking back. And at that point, she turned into a pillar of salt in that sense. I do want to look at one thing really quickly. The angels, one of the angels specifically says, do not look behind you amongst some other, or you will be swept away. Do not look behind you or you will be swept away. The angels weren't playing around, right? They were honest to that. And so Lot's wife clearly didn't heed that, um, that that instruction, uh, which is ultimately not good. Now Abraham rose early in the morning and went went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. So Abraham is now looking down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's seeing this the smoke rise from the valley, like a furnace. And ultimately, um, God remembers Abraham, and basically on behalf of Abraham sins lot out of the city so comments here justin yeah i like what you said um so you know one of the things here thus it came about and so in verse 29 thus it came about when god destroyed the cities of the valley that god remembered abraham and sent lot out of the midst of the overthrow um and so i just you know one of the things i come back to is just um i guess god's loving kindness toward abraham um, Abraham screwed up a lot. I mean, Abraham was righteous, right? Abraham had some impressive faith at times, and then other times he didn't. But either way, God didn't owe it to Abraham to tell him about what was going to happen to Sodom. God didn't owe it to Abraham to rescue Lot, all these things. But the point is that um, I feel like this shows that if you're following God, he, he cares for you. Um, now, that's not a promise that nothing bad will happen to you, but the point is that God does care uh about you know about those people that he has intimacy with i mean god god cares about humanity as a whole in the sense that he gave um you know the rules of 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 not hurting each other right he gave a lot of rules but we see the intimacy though of that god has with people who are trying to follow him and, and how god cares for his followers uh, yeah yeah not only that the people in close proximity to some of these followers so, yeah, you know, looking back, it seems to me that Abraham knew that Lot was likely in that city. Maybe that was in one part he had concern. He he wanted yeah. when he says, "Lord, you're not going to wipe out the entire city if there's righteous people in there." The Lord says, basically, no, I'm not going to do that. And it's likely Abraham knew that Lot was in that city. And he didn't want Lot to be swept away by this fire and brimstone if 
especially if Lot was a righteous, living a righteous life or, 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 or not really living a righteous life, but really a righteous person. And so I think we would define here righteous righteousness as believing, not necessarily doing everything perfectly, as you mentioned. Cool. Verse 30. All right, let's pick back up in verse 30. Lot went up from Zor and stayed in the mountains and his two daughters with him. For he was afraid to stay in Zor and he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. Then the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and let us lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. They made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went and lay with her father and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go and lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus, both daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn born bore a son and called him his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. As for the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. And he is the father of the sons of Ammon to this day. So we see here that uh, Lot was afraid staying in the, that, that small town of Zor. So he went up into the mountains to hide in a cave instead and took his daughters. His daughters had this terrible idea to have intercourse or had the oldest daughter had a terrible idea for them, both daughters to have intercourse with their father so that they could at least have children or a child um, to continue their, their family line. And so they got him drunk and had intercourse with him, um, you know, back to back following nights. And they both had children and these children um, are the start of these, these different uh, people groups that are listed here, the Moabites and the sons of Ammon. And so here I want to say that, I, I see this as potentially a, a an outplaying of the daughters being raised for some period of time in Sodom, right? So this idea, because we, we already saw it was a sexually perverse city. Um, and so one, once again, when you're in a place, when you open yourself to influence, whether that's entertainment or even being in a location that is, is perverse and, and wicked, it, it impacts how you see things, right? So the oldest daughter didn't think it was a bad deal to ha have this incestuous relationship. And I mean, I think that this is clearly, uh, the excuse here is just pathetic because she has to know her, she has to know about her relative Abraham, right? And Abraham has how many servants? I mean, how many males that are that are working his cattle and all those things she's definitely Obviously, exaggerating the the situation you know she's yeah. claiming that there's no more men well she just left the city of zor right which clearly had people there you know yeah like you said abraham probably had is it so it's not like she thought this fire and brimstone hit the entire universe i think that's right. very clear right and so yeah so but the but the point that i that i think is most important is that i mean sodom had affected her and so she, it was not a big deal. Like her, her moral boundaries were impacted by the location she was in. And, and, and that same thing can happen to us if we're letting things impact our mind. Like it, whether it's entertainment, whether it's places that we shouldn't be, those things have an impact on us, right? So sometimes we think I can watch this or I can go here and I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, sin against my convictions, but it affects your mind. And in time, you, you will. Um, I mean, you, you will most likely sin against your, you know, you're, you're most likely what will happen is that your moral boundaries will decrease and, 
you're going to be more sin doesn't sound as outrageous to you. Right. Uh, and it, it's interesting that they use alcohol as a means by which to have sex with their father. They use alcohol on their father, likely knowing that Lot would disapprove with this strategy, with this plan. And they use alcohol to lower his inhibitions. And it, to me, based upon the reading in verse 35, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. To me, it sounds like Lot was just absolutely insanely drunk, right? Like to the point where he had no idea what was going on. And I mean, this can kind of speak somewhat to the dangers of alcohol in and of itself, right? You know, um, lowering inhibitions and, you know, making mistakes that are ultimately can be extremely permanent and affect the rest of your life. Uh, if Lot hadn't have gotten drunk with this wine, then he would have been able to talk some sense into his daughters, I think, and prevented this from happening. So I don't give Lot a free pass on all this in any sense. Um, while I don't think he would have seemed to agree with this strategy, which is why they got him drunk to begin with, I definitely think that getting drunk was a bad idea to start. In terms of what you mentioned earlier, setting yourself up to be successful and not make a big mistakes, not watching whatever it is that could lead to further temptation or not being in a certain place that could lead to further temptation, not drinking an excessive amount of alcohol such that you could be tempted to do things that maybe you normally wouldn't be do in a sober mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in the new Testament, it says, uh, you know, being drunk is a, is a sin and, um, so one of the things here, though, is I, I, this also reflects, while I agree, it appears that Lot wouldn't have been cool with, with this plan the oldest daughter had. I also think that they, Lot had a bad reputation, or Lot, his daughters knew that he wasn't just a stand-up guy because they knew they could get him drunk. In other words, that they knew, oh, yeah, he'll be one of those guys that we can easily get drunk to pull this off, right? But I think there are other people in the Bible that this would not have worked on, right? Like, hey, let's get this dude drunk. Well, no, like that dude isn't going to get drunk. This isn't going to work at all. Um, and so obviously we see uh, Lot just made a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. You know, obviously if you were the daughters, you know, inside the house when all those men came and you're a daughter and you heard your father offer you up as basically a piece of meat to be raped by an entire village of people at this point, you might have less respect for your father yeah. to, to come up with this plan to begin with as well. So a lot definitely screwed up. And you know, what's also interesting is if you recall earlier in the book of Genesis here, lot is in a cave with his, two daughters with nothing essentially and just a few chapters earlier lot's possessions are so great that he can't even remain in close proximity with abraham it's just too much for the land so it's a pretty rapid fall yeah. from success i would say you know lot reaches oh, yeah. his height of success and he makes the decision of moving into an area that seems appealing to the eye but is rampant with wickedness and sin and he quickly falls to someone that basically has nothing not only that his daughters are tricking him to have sex with them and now he's his everlasting lineage is based on incestuous an incestuous relationship that's a, that's a pretty, that's a, I don't know many people who fall that hard, you know, uh, that's pretty brutal. So <laughs> really big screw up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're I mean, that guy. I think one, one lesson to be learned is, Hey, listen, whenever, if you're hanging around a guy and things are going great 
hanging around that guy, AK Lot hanging out, hanging out with Abraham, who seems to be maybe building Lot up and making him a, you know, leaving that guy is probably not a good idea. And only Lot's only particularly special because he has God, you know, as a priority in his life. So it's really not Abraham in and of itself, but it's just hanging around people that are have God as a priority in life versus going to this other city, you know. And it, I think there, I think you also see kind of this slow progression too. Lot starts off camping in tents outside of the city, and then you find out that he has, you know, slowly moved into the city. And to the point where now he's fully ingratiated in all this, you know? So I think just not, what does the Bible say? Flee, like flee from temptation. Well, if a flee from sexual immorality, like run away from it, get far away from it. Yeah. Don't even. Don't, don't put your tent anywhere near it. Put your tent like on the other side of the mountain or whatever, you know, as far away as you can. So, yeah, but like like you said about the the lasting lineage, you know, um, just the 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 Moabites and the sons of Ammon, they ended up being enemies of Israel in the future. So yeah, I mean, every time, uh, possibly, man, every time Moab attacked or they had war with them, every single person was thinking about Lot's mistake. Um, but the point is, it had severe consequences uh, that that went through a significant period of time. Yeah, totally. That affected a lot of people's lives. Oh, so, yeah. I mean... And, our... and that's the thing. A lot of people think that, like, hey, I'm going to commit this sin, and this does... It's not bad. It's not as bad as, as you know, you would say it is because it doesn't affect anyone else. But, I mean, I think a lot of times uh, it's not that hard to trace the, the, the ripple effect of sins, even if the sin seems like a private action. Right. Absolutely. I mean, your your good deeds and your bad deeds, I think, have humongous ripple effects throughout the world and for generations to come. And that becomes abundantly clear in this particular chapter. So God obviously takes the sin very seriously in the Bible. And it makes sense because of all the pain and suffering that can be the result of one small sin, one perceived small sin. In this example, getting drunk and raising your daughters in a city that would corrupt their minds to the point where they think that having sex with their father is an appropriate action in this circumstance. You know, if you're if you're one of those daughters and you are a firm believer in God and you're not going to make this, you're not going to think that, oh, my life's completely ruined. I don't have any heirs at this point. You're not going to, you're not going to get in this huge pity party and be like, my only option is to have sex with my father. You know, that's, that's, that's not going to, you're not going to find yourself in that situation. Not to diminish depression in any way obviously this would have been a depressive depressing moment likely they had like they just watched they just saw their future husbands getting killed with fire and brimstone they just saw the entire city that they grew up in get completely demolished they go to this town of zor they realize hey this is a bad place too we shouldn't be here where they wanted to go then they find themselves in a cave with their dad which totally is not, you know, a situation they wanted to be in. They have nothing, especially coming from kind of a rich, previously being so wealthy and rich. There seems to be a moment of desperation in their lives that they would think that this is their only choice in life. Hey, before our dad dies, let's get an heir. Let's, let's at least have some children through him. Yeah, they were just in a tough state. They're, they, I think they were in a really tough state. So Yeah, I think that's a great point, man. I think that's a great point. I had a professor say once that I thought was really impactful. We need to have a big God before we have a big problem. 
Um, and so the idea is that it, we need to spend time um, in Bible study and prayer and just growing our faith so that when we do encounter these very difficult situations, uh, even though we can experience desperation in these things, we can, we can have a hope and we, we, can, we have this spiritual uh, intimacy with God. We have this spiritual maturity to kind of fall back on so that we don't have to make bad or terrible decisions um, with a lack of discernment and just only seeing the desperate circumstances. Yeah. Agreed. One final thought on this. The, I think it's easy for us to look at each one of these people in this chapter and kind of in a, in a feeling of judgment, like, oh, I would never do that, you know. I'm so far from removed of all removed from all that. I would never be a part of that. I would never do that. Man, these people are crazy. These people are sinful. These people are wicked. I think that would be very unwise to separate our sinful nature so so with so much distance from what they what they were going through. When you, when you put yourself in their shoes for a second, you find out how sin slowly creeped into their life. Who can possibly say that sin could never slowly creep into our lives in a similar fashion? Where we just take one step towards sin and, it's, and it pretty quickly engulfs us. And I think whenever we're reading these, um, these stories within Genesis, we need to be very mindful of the circumstance in which these people are in and not remove ourselves from thinking, oh, how much holier art thou than these people? You know, these people are just, they're people too. And if you're in the same circumstance, you might, you might have made some very similar mistakes, right? If you're one of these daughters who is, grew up in this environment, where it wasn't seen as that big of a deal, gaining heirs from your father, if that was your mindset your entire life and all the people around you and you find yourself in a desperate situation, who's, I mean, how much, how influenced are we by our culture significantly? I don't think there's any question about that. So, well, I think it's very clear that we can learn a very valuable lesson that these people are doing a lot of wrong things. I don't think we should remove ourselves from their actions so much so that we think that we can never fall into those temptations. Well said. Well, this was a crazy spicy chapter. Yeah, it was. I um, told you it was going to get interesting and uh, you know what? It only gets more interesting from here. Maybe not as spicy. That's about as spicy as you get in the Bible. <laughs> I can't think of a whole lot of spicier moments. I think that's the the, the highest. That's like your ghost pepper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's hotter than a ghost pepper. I think that's about as ghost peppery as you get in the Bible. Other people might have another opinion on that. There's some jalapenos that are that are coming up. Some peños. <laughs> Jalapeno. Um, nice. but yeah well thank you for joining us with chapter 19 super excited about chapter 20 we'll see what happens next and we're ending this <laughs> on a pretty messed up note <laughs> on incest <laughs> yep. so so yeah. make good choices that's right. Yeah. Yes, sir. All righty. Peace out.